I think it's uh, who's the ghost guy with the arm? The hell is his name? Ghost guy with the the other clone dude. Echo. Echo. Yeah. Ghost guy. Yeah, some clones. It's, I don't know. He's a ghost of a a person or whatever. He's like disconnected a little bit. That's where my mind was going with that. Cut all this. Wait, what the hell is his name again? <laughs> Echo. <laughs> Echo. Echo. Echo, 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 Echo. These are good bloops for the intro. I don't even remember where I was going. Echo. Krypton to Alderaan. Krypton to Alderaan. Krypton to Alderaan. Krypton to Alderaan. Welcome, everyone, to Krypton to Alderaan. I'm Joey, your Star Wars lover, and with me is Royish Good Looks. Hello, podcast. Hello, Joey. Don't sound so cheery this episode, Royce. This is not the time. Read the room. (laughs) We're the podcast that analyzes nerdy pop culture stuff, but it's mostly Star Wars. And this episode, unfortunately, we will be discussing the Bad Batch season two finale, episodes 15 and 16, The Summit and Plan 99. But first, if you'd like to join in on the conversation, subscribe to us on YouTube. Leave us a comment. We'd love to hear what you thought of the finale. I'm very excited to talk about it. I'd love to hear what you all thought. You can also find us on any social media. Just search Krypton to Alderaan. And hey, if you like our show, consider heading over to Apple Podcasts and leaving us a review. It's been a while since we've gotten one, and they're always great to see. So leave us five stars. That's enough of that. Let's talk about the season two finale of The Bad Batch. Here is my synopsis, Royce. This includes both final episodes, okay? Mm. Soldiers no more, brothers till the end. As Clone Force 99 decides how to mount a rescue mission for Crosshair, their own future is also on their minds. Choosing a life of peace and solitude and becoming more than soldiers will have to wait because they never leave one of their own behind. Will everyone make it out? Will they find Crosshair? As the credits roll on the final episode of the season, will we all be left wondering, was it worth the cost? Put that on the DVD box set. <laughs> Man, you got, you're getting me with the somber tones already. I had to muster everything I could to even put in my catchphrase there. Yeah, I'm. all I am is somber tones now. This, this has left my mind a sunless place. Oh boy, this is one of those episodes that I really don't want to get into. It's kind of re-traumatizing, but what did you think of these episodes? I always love a nice, concise conclusion to a season, and we got that. You know, we got everything culminating, and now we know where everything stands. To flip the tables a little bit and start it off on kind of a bright note, I'm quite happy to report that On our last episode of Bad Batch reviewing that here in the Krypton to Alderaan podcast, we basically called the whole ending. So round of applause, team. (laughs) Round of applause. We predicted a major character dying. We didn't get which one right. We thought maybe maybe Echo or maybe Crosshair. We got Tech. Even more heartbreaking than either of those two, I think. Yes, also the scientist being a clone. Oh, right. Yeah, so there was all sorts of things that we were like, hey, this would be interesting if that happened. And what do you know? A bunch of that stuff happened, and I enjoyed it overall. I'm really sad, too. You know, we said, if Omega gets captured and that's where they leave us, no! And they did. They know how to They know how to tug on our heartstrings, man. We got so invested in these characters this season. I, myself, as someone not... That, that took a while to really adopt the animated shows. Dude, 
I'm so invested. I love these characters. I miss them when they're gone. And I hope that we get some of them back. Yep. I'm excited as anyone would be when you're watching a thing and you can kind of predict what happened. I will say I don't need that to happen in order to enjoy a thing. If I don't predict what's going to happen, then and it's still an enjoyable thing. I love that. But it is pretty fun when we do make predictions and they do come true because the people who write these things are fans of these things and it really makes me feel more connected to them. Like, wow, we're all kind of on the same page here. We kind of like, not to put Star Wars in a box, but we have certain definitions and we like to follow these kinds of thought lines, which I really enjoy. Yeah, that said, there were still a lot of surprises they pulled, but that was the uh, highlight reel of the things that we did get right here on Krypton to Alderaan. There were several things we got wrong, of course, but... Uh... We won't talk about those. <laughs> <laughs> a couple of times this season, you had talked about Hunter being the leader and a couple of other characters like stepping into leadership roles. What did you think about the group kind of needing to convince Hunter to go on this mission? Oh, they always got to convince him. He's It's so funny that you're like, are these guys going to retire? Like Hunter clearly never wants to go on the mission. You know, he's always concerned, but he always gets roped into it. I, I think that moment, you know, that's just a typical scene that they would write. That's how the dynamic would be in the batch. He doesn't want to go. He's a skeptic. Well, we have to do the right thing. What was interesting to me about that scene is that Tech said, we don't leave our own behind. We got to go. He was the one that said, we got to go save Crosshair. Yeah, Hunter needs to get roped back in. It's kind of like, I don't want to do it, but the group does, and so I'll go along with it, which is not necessarily what you would think about a leader, that they want to make the decisions, but he's able to compromise a little bit. Yeah, like he just wants them to live their peaceful lives on Pabu, out of war, out of battles, just keep Omega safe, keep them all safe, more family than squad. I think something you also predicted in one of the last episodes was Omega saying... If there's a chance we can get him back, we have to take it. Those might not be the exact words, but you definitely said something like that about her convincing them to get Crosshair back, which she said in this episode. And I also love that Wrecker right behind her goes, definitely, when she says that. Like we talked about in our Mandalorian episode, The Pirate, the loyalty, the aspect of loyalty here. They now know Crosshair is being detained by the Empire and they're going to save him. There's not really a question other than Hunter being like, but it's safe here. We could have a life here. Very heartfelt, I think, right from the start. Well, they know they're going into danger. We're going to be, you know, a tactical disadvantage or whatever they say. They know it's not going to be easy. Echo says something like, oh, we'll sneak in. We'll be under the radar and we'll get right out of there. You know, easy 20 minute adventure in and out, you know, the Rick and Morty thing or whatever, which of course it's not going to be. You know, we'll get in there. We'll grab the guy. We'll live all happily ever after. But of course, that's not the case. What did you think of Tech and Fee's goodbye? I had to rewatch that scene because I was like, what is she alluding to? And I'm like, oh, she likes Tech. And I wonder if we're going to return to Pabu and Fee, you know, and explain what happened, if there's going to be anything there. You know, I don't feel like we spent enough time with Fee or enough time with Fee and Tech for that to really be like a big deal. But clearly that one scene... He was saying like, hey, don't go running off with a pirate. I'd sure love to see you again. I thought that was some kind of love. I'm going to miss you when you're gone sort of thing. 
100%. And they've been like sprinkling that over the season. Like when they first meet, she like flirts with him a little bit and calling him brown eyes. And he's like, well, all clones have brown eyes. Everything goes over his head. He's got no idea. He's looking at the itinerary like you're flirting with me. This doesn't register. <laughs> but in this particular scene in this episode, it really seemed like he was into the idea of that. Like, as we know, as Tech have said, he doesn't process things the same way as everyone else does, but it certainly seems like he was like receptive to her flirting and they've got a little like thing going on, which is great. This is a ship I'm fully behind. I never thought I would be, but I really loved that little scene of her saying goodbye to him. And I did not think that it was foreshadowy at all. In that moment where I feel like I should have been like, something bad's going to happen to Tech. I was not. I was just so absorbed in that nice moment that I didn't even go to any kind of dark place. Oh, this is setting up something bad, which I also think speaks to the writing and the way the characters are animated to interact. Whether that's a false sense of security or not, it kept me in love with them being in love. So I loved it. Love, love, love. I'll put a gripe in here. I would have loved to see that come back around with Fee, that they return to Pabu or something. And she does the, where's Tech? And they're like, we lost him, you know? And they don't have to brood on that scene, but they could show her being like, man, that's too bad, you know? She's sad and, and, and bummed about it, you know? But obviously there's a lot of other stuff going on that we didn't connect back with Fee. Yeah, well, I have got a crazy left field theory, but it's for another question that I'm going to ask you down the line. So the Batch decide to go to Tarkin's compound on Iridu to the summit. They are infiltrating Tarkin's compound. Did you notice anything specific about their, that series of events, them infiltrating the compound? I, wanna, I picked up on something. I want to know if you picked up on something that you've been picking up a lot on throughout this season. I'm not sure where you're going with this, but... You know, they obviously referenced Project Stardust and Krennic. That was a fun little wink and a nod. There was a lot of running through hallways and... As soon as they get there and they get up to like the first door to go into the place. Oh, this is funny. You're going here with us. I loved that. I think it's Hunter. He just punches a stormtrooper right in the face. It's like, I love when yeah. there is just like fist on stormtrooper armor, Marva's brick on stormtrooper armor, like... Take that, like me and my own two bare hands. I love yeah. that against the Empire. You know, this oppressive force, but like, I'll give you all I got and I don't need a blaster. But yeah, they were. Punch a Nazi. <laughs> like, as soon as they show up, there's no stun gun. I really thought that mm. this would be kind of your thing here because they're still very specific on who they use stun gun on. Like, they stun people in the comms room or wherever they go to plug in. Yeah, you're right, right. But with the TKs, they are full-on blaster mode which might be the first time they just go in guns blazing like that. I did notice. I didn't make a note. So thanks for calling me out on that. Yeah, that's interesting. That's such a, a funny story plot point that the Batch chooses when and when not to use stun gun. Forget these guys. They're just bad guys. These aren't our brothers. I think mostly the stakes have been them trying to get away, escape. And now they're trying to like infiltrate to save one of their own. Mm. So maybe the stakes are higher for them. They're a little bit more aggressive and they're realizing that these are bad dudes. We got to play by their rules. I bring it up because I think it adds urgency. It adds weight. It's heavy, man, to the episode. We haven't seen them do that before. This is how important this is. It's a new level of importance, this mission. 
So you brought up Krennic and the Project Stardust and references like that. So that's all happening in the actual summit. Tarkin's sitting around a room with other Imperials. What did you think of the conversation that they have about Hemlock experimenting on the clones? In the episode The Outpost, we've seen how the Imperials are treating clones. I don't like used equipment. You're expendable. And now flat out, someone asks Hemlock, did you ask the clones what they want? And Hemlock says... Their imperial property, their cooperation is not required. Yep, it's more of this, I don't feel good, Star Wars stuff. This is the Empire. That's the way they do business. He even says like, hey, we're so far away. No one knows what we're doing. We're going to get away with whatever we want to get away with. Don't worry about the Senate. Man, I, I wish we got more of this clone uprising stuff in this season. But we're clearly getting more Bad Batch. So hopefully we get to see some more clone uprising material at some point. I thought it was really interesting that one of the Imperials stood up for the clones. I fought with the clones and I found them to be, you know, really loyal. And he said some nice stuff about the clones. Tarkin refuted some of those points. But I thought that was very interesting that somebody was at that summit, clearly an important person. He knows that they're doing the experiments and he's sticking up for the clones. So interesting that there's somebody high up in the Imperial ranks that's still like, hey, I don't know about this. So not all Imperials are cut from the same cloth, you know? I would push back on that a little bit because he he does say there are a lot of people in the Senate who are pushing for clone rights. It's not exactly that he is pro-clone rights. It's that he's afraid of being caught in something that if clone rights becomes legal, he's done something bad. It's more out of fear than like loyalty or sympathy to the clones I felt in that instance. But it is interesting that they're having this conversation. And then Tarkin, who's been around for a long time, we see him in the Clone Wars. He was part of the Republic. He says, under Jedi leadership, they developed a concerning level of individuality. In the Clone Wars and stuff, they gave themselves names. They painted their armor. They differentiated themselves and the Jedi called them by their names, most of the Jedi that we see. When we get to the solitary clone, you mentioned Cody in bland armor, completely removed his individuality. So it's really interesting to see, I think, somebody who spans the Republic and the Empire thinking that way. Another dude who was always bad, no matter what government he was a part of. I think I've said before about this show, little lines like that, stuff you blink and you miss it, I think that are very impactful to understanding the characters of the show. If somebody comes here, we will take them down swiftly or the clone rebellion. You know, if there's a clone rebellion, we'll take care of them swiftly. And then when they're going to they're getting attacked, he's like, we'll be perfectly safe here. I got the vibes of the evacuate in a moment of triumph. He's sitting still there. He's got nerves of steel. All the other Imperials are freaking out. And he's like, we're perfectly safe here. He's got such a hubris, which is like, great. I love that about his character. Writing him very well, I think. Yep. Hearing the words clone uprising is very exciting to me because it's something I've wanted for so long. You know, ever since the Clone Wars, we've questioned what happens to the clones, right? We're seeing that transition. But I always thought it would be amazing to see like a clone uprising, a clone rebellion. Now we're like, actually treading on that ground. You know, we've seen these characters push back a little. We see Rex and Echo doing, like, saving their brothers. But Tarkin, we, this is the first we hear about, like, concern of an actual clone uprising. So that was, like, very exciting for me. Would you like to see, like, a Rex and Echo show about 
a clone rebellion. It seems like the Bad Batch is a good place to do that, but they're not really following Rex or Echo that heavily in this. Even the stuff that Echo did in the finale, a lot of it was like off screen. I guess maybe they could have a show if they wanted to, but I think that still fits in well with the Bad Batch sort of vibe. Who knows, though? I would be in if they did that. Yeah, more animated stuff. So then there's a scene where the Bad Batch is trying to escape from this compound. They meet up with Saw Gerrera. I don't know how much there is to say there. He's being Saw Gerrera. <laughs> he's a hot shot. He's already this like kind of bonkers extremist who, like, there's a bigger picture here that he's not seeing. He just wants to, like, blow them all up. Anyway, we're following Clone Force 99 through their escape. Did you notice this battle, this fight scene? The way the camera work, the camera follows the characters as they're like going around corners and the camera's turning. It looked absolutely incredible. What did you think? Weren't we just celebrating the hallway fight scenes on one of the previous episodes as well? Like, yeah, somebody loves storyboarding those moments, you know, and takes some care with them for sure. Yeah, I love those scenes. It was interesting to be like, I think we've kind of done these scenes a little bit Mm. already in the show, but I'm all for it. You know, they're still fun. And I did notice that the framing and whatnot was most certainly very intentional at many moments. And then, of course, at the end, you're seeing like Omega's point of view at the end of the episode. They were having some fun with the camera work for sure. Yeah, yeah. I think that that was shot very differently than any of those scenes have been shot before. Like maybe they were experimenting with new stuff. Well, you said they want to up the stakes. So that was part of it. Like, how can we make this seem a little more epic than just, hey, we're escaping a facility like we always do every week? Yes, I love, love, loved that fight scene. I encourage anyone to go back and watch it. It's so much fun and it, it just looks incredible. Saw Gerrera blows stuff up and they lose the homing <laughs> beacon on Hemlock's ship. And then the Bad Batch is escaping. And that's when we get into episode 16, Plan 99, the final episode of season two. They're stuck on the tram that gets them in and out of the facility. And this is where it all goes wrong. How are we going to talk about this? How did you feel when Tech sacrifices himself for his brothers? Plan 99, just him saying Plan 99, like that was their out. They had a plan for if they were in a situation where like one of them had to sacrifice themselves for the rest of them. Man, it was tough. He's hanging there and then Wrecker says, well, pull yourself up, climb up. And he's going, I'm going as fast as I can. You know, Tech is, he's a, a wimp. You know, he's smart. He's not the muscles. Like Wrecker literally, Sid calls him muscles. Tech is goggles. He's a nerd. You and I both got these big, thick rim glasses. We're nerds, you know? We're tech hanging there. I wouldn't be able to pull (laughs) myself up. But tech being the analytical guy, he's like, don't move. Don't come save me because you're going to make it worse. You got to cut me loose. Well, we can't cut you loose. We got to bring you back up. Okay, if you're not going to cut me loose, I'll cut myself loose then. And he does. If he didn't, they were going to get blown to smithereens. And again, what was it all for? All for nothing then if we all lose. so. We had to sacrifice a member of the batch. Like, who saw that coming? Not us. We we thought somebody had to die. But, dude, I, and maybe it makes sense that it was him because this whole season, we're like, yeah. he's cool, man. Let's give Tech his own exhibit in the Pabu Museum. And now he's gone, you know? Or, I do have a note, you know, is he really gone? I don't know. We didn't see him. We didn't see a body. That's like the cliche, right? If Hemlock is just playing games, but they kind of make it seem like it was pretty permanent there. It tugged at my heartstrings, man. It was tough. 
Very tough for Omega, too, that in the moment she was having a tough time dealing with it and then seemingly like hits her head and forgets. And then Hunter has to remind her double, double whammy of toughness there. But it had to happen for the story. He had to cut himself loose and we had to have some more stakes here. I think it's well done. The fact that you and I are kind of both speechless right here about it. Yeah. That tech clearly meant a lot to the characters in the show and to the people watching. So well done, writers. I'm sad. <laughs> I agree. I'm very, very sad. I've been talking this whole season about how he's becoming one of my favorite characters. We fell in love with this character this season. They did that. Mm -hmm. At least I did. And I was devastated. It was an incredible scene. This is what I'm talking... I think that this finale was phenomenal. When Wrecker goes to step more towards Tech and the thing starts shaking and Tech's like, no, don't, don't. There is urgent Again, urgency there. These are real characters. We have fallen in love with these characters. This is incredible to watch. And like, I'm scared for the character. The character's scared. The rest of the group is scared. We're all in that together. And then... Wrecker says, don't you do it, Tech. And Tech says, when have we ever followed orders? And then cuts himself. And we see everyone's reaction. I have chills right now just talking about it. We see everyone's reaction to it. And it is devastating. And what an incredible line. That's their whole thing. They're Clone Force 99. They don't follow orders. Good soldiers follow orders? I don't think so. Just absolutely incredible stakes, incredible dialogue, incredible action. They've done an incredible job of getting me invested in the character, and then they do this. I think it was just, I think it was as amazing as it is heartbreaking. It's very tricky because I would also like give them a lot of credit for taking this risk. It's a very risky thing in a, sh in a show like this to like kill off a character like that, I think. So I do respect the risk taking, but I'm heartbroken that it happened. We also don't know if it actually happened. You know, no body, right? We see the goggles. Do you have any ideas about how he could have survived? Yeah, I thought for a moment he looked like he was sort of bracing to like ride the tram if the tram fell, you know, to like go surfing down on the tram and brace for impact somehow, but he cuts himself loose. So that's a totally, totally different scenario. You would think they would have like a parachute or something in their gear like when they went mining, they went with rations into the mine. Like sometimes they're overly prepared. That would be interesting if he had some kind of way to, you know, brace for the fall. We saw the goggles though. So maybe like they recovered the goggles, but Tech didn't bring the goggles with him, you know, and he ran off and is able to get away. He doesn't show up for the battle at the end, but maybe he's still out there or probably more likely that if he was alive and, you know, just like barely hanging on, Hemlock would have taken him back to the lab for experimentation. He's not going to let a clone go to waste. You know, it would be creepy even if he is dead, but he's still got him, you know, suspended in a tank like all the other weirdo clones that Palpatine has. Hemlock says cloning is very important to the emperor. So like even in death, would you waste the body of a clone, an experimental clone at that left field theories? I don't like that. I don't like that at all. That's on brand, though, I believe. Yep. I really hope that Hemlock doesn't have him. Here's a couple left field theories from me. <laughs> I do think Saw could have him. They set it up so Saw is getting out of there. I think it a good time to also, like, intercept Tech as he's falling or something, maybe. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. 
I do think that if he is with Saw, he's still in danger because Saw interrupted the Bad Batch's mission and the Bad Batch interrupted Saw's mission. And Saw thinks his mission is the mission. He'd make a very good Mandalorian. (laughs) This is the only way. I do think that Tech isn't safe if he's with Saw. Another maybe slightly more crazy theory is Fee. At the beginning, when Fee's like, where y'all going? And Omega's like, it's a covert mission. And Fee has a look on her face. Don't think there's a 0% chance that Fee wouldn't have followed them or tried to like follow them or knows how to track them in some way and shows up and saves Tech, which I think would be cool. I would rather both of those things happen than have him with Headblock dead or alive. That's some nice headcanon. That reminds me of like uh, on Lost Rose and her husband that are living in the uh, in the woods yeah, yeah, on yeah. the island and everybody <laughs> else is still fighting each other, but they've retired. So maybe Tech and Fee have retired to Pabu without anyone knowing. And maybe he'll get injured and maybe he'll be a mod. His name is Tech. Maybe he'll become part Tech and just let him live, okay? <laughs> Jeez. Oh, man. That is difficult to talk about. I really loved that character. We don't lose a lot of characters in Star Wars. So I think that's also part of it. Like if you can, you can probably count the number of main characters, you know, on one or two hands. It's not a lot of people. It's not like Game of Thrones where they kill somebody off every episode and you can't get attached. We got attached and now we're losing them. But it makes it such a better show because of that, even though it's tough. Boy, we've been talking about Sid a lot lately. What did you think of that all coming to a head? I thought it was so interesting that she like wasn't happy to turn them in because we've been throwing her under the bus. Like she'll go out in a blaze of glory, set them up and there'll be a shootout. And I told you guys I'd get you guys. And she sort of does that, but it's so somber. Wrecker doesn't even want to get a drink from her. Yeah. She's feeling guilty. She's clearly like, here's a drink for your fallen buddy. And uh, by the way, uh, you're not going to like this, but uh, I kind of sold you out. She gets paid and she's like not even stoked to get paid. Maybe she'll return and be on their side. Uh, You know, want to like repent for throwing them under the bus. You know, maybe she's not totally out of the picture that she'll want to redeem herself to some degree. She'll certainly have some money to be able to put to the cause, maybe. And I'm surprised that Hemlock would let her get away, you know, knowing like he's taking Omega and these other clones. Sid knows too much. She got off kind of clean, but that she seems very, very much in regret of her decisions. So very interesting nuanced character development with her. Very interesting that the finale was on Ord Mantell and not at the secret base. You know, we thought like, yeah, they'll storm the base. No, still secret, still creepy stuff going on behind closed doors. Another one of those things that we didn't quite predict but still Mm. another very powerful moment of Wrecker being captured and he's the muscles, but he's outnumbered and Hunter not knowing how to pull off a rescue there and having to give in. Omega seeing that from afar. Also Omega seeing Sid throwing them under the bus a little bit there too, maybe. So man, really interesting work here for this finale. Yeah, there was a moment, a brief moment where I thought Sid was going to help them. There was a brief moment where I thought Sid was actually a good guy and everything else she had done this season was a ruse to get them somewhere safe. Working with Fee kind of thing and that she wasn't going to sell them out to the Empire. And then she did. I don't think it matters how much Sid knows because she doesn't know how to get Hemlock. Hemlock is so confident that he is untouchable. 
He's in a secret mountain. He's a ghost, Tech says when they're like trying to research him. So he doesn't care. Take the money and go. All I want is this clone. And he does say, you should leave, you know? Our deal's over, leave, you know? Yep, he just doesn't, it's nothing to him that Sid knows. I also thought that she was going to leave and then like mount a resistance with the people that are usually in her establishment. Yeah, just a really interesting way for it to culminate based on what we've been talking about. They set her up to be such a villain. You kind of feel bad for her in that scene a little bit almost. I mean, she you could see that she feels bad, but she's given us like no indication that she would feel bad if she were ever to do something like this. But Omega is listening and watching, and then she exits the vents and tells AZ to go get Echo. And then we have another action-y sequence of Omega stopping Hemlock in the street with the bow and then kind of negotiating. He'll let them go if she surrenders. Man, I was just glad that Hunter was shaking his head and was like, get out of here, Omega. What the heck are you thinking? Like, come on. But Omega is not going to leave them behind. So it's on brand. But that was frustrating that like you could you could get away, Omega. Like this sucks for Hunter and them, but you could get away. She can't leave them behind. Obviously, like the only way that's going to go down is she gets captured. So again, it's kind of like this. Well, you know where this is going to go. It just doesn't feel good. I'm really glad that Hunter and Wrecker were uh, able to escape so that somebody could maybe be able to rescue Omega later. If they were all captured. Yeah, this is like... Season's over, you know? Who's coming to the rescue then? That's another really great moment when Echo's breaking them free and I think Wrecker's like, Echo? And Hunter's like, it's gotta be Echo. I just love (laughs) that little interaction. But it goes back to Hunter and Omega talking in the back of Sid's parlor before all this stuff goes down. And they're talking about tech. Hunter says he put the squad ahead of himself. He made a sacrifice and we're not gonna waste it. And that's when Hunter discusses the plan that we have talked about wanting to see getting out of the fight, putting being soldiers behind them, living on Pabu. He even asks Omega because in the first season, he tried to leave her with Cut. At the end of that episode, he learns, well, you didn't ask her what she wanted to do. Did you ever consider what she wanted to do? In this episode, he says, Wrecker and I think Pabu might be a good place for us to end up. Would you like that? And she shakes her head yes. He's asking her. He has grown and their relationship has grown. And it's such an incredible moment that as much as I've wanted it this whole season, I never would have expected to feel the way I felt in that moment. I thought it was a really mature moment for him to give Omega a little bit of a choice. It kind of seemed at first that he was like, we're going to retire. And that's that, kid. You're coming with me. But he says, is that something you would want? Do you want that for yourself? Or he gives her the power to make the decision, which is interesting that, you know, she goes back for them. She makes the decision to then try and rescue them, knowing the consequences. That's what comes with being a soldier. You're going to have to make a sacrifice. She gets captured. It's so interesting when she's at the base, she's like, I don't even know why I'm here. You know, so she goes from having like finally some autonomy to relax and live a life that she wants to live for herself to now you've been captured and you don't even know why they've captured you. Having all of that, you know, freedom removed again. Doesn't feel good, but powerful, powerful writing. Yep. And the music in that moment is also incredible. Kiner, you did (laughs) it again. If you didn't notice, go back and watch that scene. And yeah, Omega returns to the battle. 
Hunter says, you and AZ need to go. That's an order. And she climbs down a few steps, and then we can see it. We can see when have we ever followed orders. I kind of wish that Tech, Mm. like the memory of Tech saying that replayed out loud, but you can see it. And this is what I've meant, again, discussing The Mandalorian, maybe like show, don't tell sometimes, but you can see it happen in this moment. When have we ever followed orders? I'm going to put the squad ahead of myself. It was just amazing amazing to see. Y'all, I really loved this finale. Hemlock gets Omega, and the rest of Clone Force 99 gets free. Echo saves them. How are they going to find her? All that stuff, we don't know. And it, it was also extremely heartbreaking. You mentioned it. Omega shows up, and Nala Say is being escorted by the troopers, and Omega to Nala Say says, why did they bring me here? And just in that moment, the confusion the fear, all of it that we could see in this child being taken from her family and wanting to know why was amazing to see and heartbreaking. But then the crux of it all, we find out that that scientist is in fact a clone. She says, you know me a lot better than you think. We're sisters. What did you think of that? What do you think her deal is? I was getting a little bit of the, uh, you know, Luke, I am your father kind of moment there. Mm. We're sisters. You have a twin sister. There's like 800 other Star Wars moments you could probably parallel that reveal as <laughs> your father, Han Solo. <laughs> Funny kind of reveal there to say, I'm your sister. So she's a clone. And you can trust me. Funny you you would trust Nala Say, but not me. What does she hmm. mean by all this? Like, My big question is, is she a good or a bad guy? And we have no idea. And you're a clone and you're a lady clone. And we've only seen two lady clones so far. So many questions. And I don't know how to feel about it because I don't trust her yet. I have no reason to. I don't know. She doesn't seem like she's going to be helpful. She just seems that I will let you know if things are going to get worse. I can't necessarily make things better, but I can keep them from getting worse. Don't resist and you might survive. Right. I mean, if Omega's her sister, that's what she told Crosshair, her brother. So don't resist and you might survive as her whole thing. Do you think that there's a chance or do you think that this is set up so that Omega will teach her, this clone scientist, how to be loyal to her brothers? What it means to be a clone? All the stuff Omega's seen, all the stuff that we've been talking about, going around the galaxy, meeting different people, but having a family, a clone family and doing the right thing. She knows clones that are fighting for clone rights. Do you think that this is set up so that Omega will teach her how to be a good guy? If anyone could help someone's heart grow three sizes, it's going to be Omega. So that's interesting. I didn't think about that, that like you would think Hunter and Wrecker need to break in, you know, and with the explosives and mount inoffensive against the secret base where it's just Omega's heart and soul that could chip away at some of these evil people, you know, or people that are on the fence and from the inside out gain an advantage. Very interesting. I think that would make sense. I sure don't want to see Omega turned into a dark trooper or (laughs) used for evil purposes. It seems like they just want to torture her to get info from Nala Say. But if you've got an evil character and you need to bring them back to the light, you need someone like Luke Skywalker that's got the endless well of positivity or like Omega, who also same sort of idea there in that character that I will do all I can 
in the name of the squad and the family. And we've seen in this episode Hemlock say the clones are just Imperial property. So if there's a clone uprising to be had, it's from this facility. Ooh. This facility needs a catalyst, and that catalyst could be Omega. Yeah, which we knew where this doctor lied. We have to see which side she's on, and that's not clear. You know, what's her crusty doll set to? We don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But it all makes me very excited for the next season. I'm so stoked. I'm so happy with the way this finale turned out. I loved every single minute of it, and I can't wait to see what happens. And you know what? Even though the season's over, we're probably not done talking about it. What do you think about that? I think, yeah, we need to we need to marinate on this a little bit and we'll come back to it and rehash some points. And uh, yeah, and we would love to hear what everyone listening is also thinking. We'll make this a community thing and we'll respond to some comments and some left field theories. And yeah, we'll keep talking about this even though the season's over until there's another season. And then we'll talk about it some more. What do you say, Joey? <laughs> Let's never stop talking about the bad batch. (laughs) All right, listeners. So let's keep this conversation going. We'd love to hear from you. If you're on YouTube, drop some comments, hit us up wherever you like to social media and be sure to subscribe for more coverage. Thanks for listening to the show today. I have been Royce. I'm in mourning of tech. And we've been Krypton Krypton 2. Like Edu and Eru.